0: Hello, my name is Tamar Ben-Svi, and you're listening to Anything But Traditional. This episode is extremely special to me, as it shares the story of five of my close friends, including my sister, Adina Kestenbaum. In these episodes, we will hear from the wives of men called up to duty Wives who have to stay strong for their children and for the nation as their husbands are on the front lines. These women are our heroes. Their stories are inspiring and intense. I can't even imagine what they're going through. As I sat there this past Friday night with my sister, my mom, my stepdad, my nephew at the Shabbos table, You could feel the presence of my brother-in-law, not there. I can't imagine not having my best friend, not having my spouse being right next to me, fulfilling their roles that they do every day, every week. The mundane stuff is not just about companionship. Who's who cleans these homes? When their husbands are on the front line. Who goes food shopping and takes out the trash? These women are incredible. And today, you get to hear their stories. You get a glimpse into what's happening in our nation. And you see and hear the most incredible women in the world. The woman that keeps our nation going, our children going, despite having to solo parent temporarily. The first person that you will hear from is Bozzy Rubin. Bozzy has four beautiful children And her husband is serving in Miloim. I spoke to Bazi yesterday. And yesterday was the first time that he was home for Shabbat. Since Simchat Torah. Bazi reminds us though. How to be happy. How to keep going. How to put some humor. Into a really not funny experience. She reminds us of how to protect ourselves from the media war and what's going on alongside this horrendous physical war. She shares Simcha with the Jewish people, with her videos on Instagram and Facebook, and she is a true light in this dark time.
1: So before Simcha Torah, what was our life like? Um, Our life was crazy and busy, and we were just really looking forward for after Simchat Torah. I mean, since, since June, it's been insane here, um, with summer and I was working in a camp. In addition to my regular job, my husband had to shift all his hours and the kids were home and then they were in camp. It was like crazy, crazy. And then Chagim and I had to take off work in order to be with the kids. And my husband was working more because of just work. Um, and we were so, so looking forward to after Simchat Torah, when things calm down, where we go into some sort of shigra, I don't know how to say that in English. <laughs> um, our life was good. Our life was busy, but our life was really, really good. In what ways has Simchat Torah massacre and war affected your life in, in every way? I um, I've tried so hard to stay away from the media. I haven't watched anything. Uh, from what's being reported and I, I barely, barely watch the news because I have four little children and I have to take care of them and in order to take care of them I need to protect my neshama. Um, but it has affected all of Am Yisrael. There's a gaping, gaping hole in all of us from the atrocities that happened that day. And me personally and my family personally on Simchat my husband had to pick up and pack a bag and head out and he's been on the border ever since he came home for 24 hours which was a huge blessing but he's he's not home so it's affected everything in our lives the hardest part of it all it's a really rough answer to question to answer (laughs) the hardest part is not knowing i think that that's the hardest part we are we're waiting we're waiting for I'm waiting for my my husband to come home. We're waiting to get back to normal. We're waiting. We don't know what will be. We don't know when they'll go in and who will go in. My husband is supposed to go in at some point, but we don't know. If I was told that I just need to stay strong for another week and a half, and then he'll be home, and then I can fall apart, I could do it. I could push through, and I can make it there. But not knowing when he will come home, And when this war will be over and when our soldiers will take a deep breath and they'll be able to go back to their families and go back to their lives and when the ptsuim will be able to heal and when and when and when not knowing how long this is going to take is i think for me the hardest part i'm not very good with messages (laughs) Um, but as somebody who's trying to bring Simcha into such difficult lives and times um, who's trying to normalize being not okay and not managing to function but knowing that we're not alone I would just say we are not alone we have each other Amisled is strong we have each other to rely on and we have Hashem and as long as we have HaKadosh Baruch Hu on our side um, We will get through this. We will get through this together.
0: Now, hear from Esther Krinken. Esther's husband is also a miloim, But when he was called up, he wasn't even in the country. And they went away for Chag and had to come back from outside of Israel. It was not an easy decision. For Esther and her husband to make. That they would come back. Together. Her husband had to come back. But Esther has a two-year-old. And would be a solo parent. While her husband was at war. Esther shares her message. Of how happy she is. That she returned. As she feels that Israel. Is the safest place in the world right now. For the Jewish people. There are no words to describe that light and that love of Israel, that beauty that she sees in Israel.
2: Just listen to her story. Hi, I'm Esther Krinken and so happy to be sharing with you today a little bit about myself. Um, So, like I said, I'm Esther. I made Aliyah about three and a half years ago when I got married. Uh, My husband's been living here since he was 18. He's originally from South Africa, and I am from California. And we met in the Holy Ben-Gurion Airport in the Aroma Line, so that's always exciting. Um, And our Israel journey started from there. Um, We actually were staffing a birthright trip together. So that's how it really unfolded. Um, but we did technically meet in the Aroma Line. So that's our claim to fame. We love going back to the airport and love to travel, but we love going back to that spot. Um, so yeah, so I've been here um, three and a half years. Like I said, we love it. We live in Modin. We originally were living in Jerusalem when we first got married but went to Modine about a year ago. Um, And it's been really, really amazing. Um, We love Modine. Uh, They've really been fantastic with just having a support system during this time without my husband. um, It's been a really amazing community um, and all the help, all the love, all the support. So I'm really grateful for that. Um, A little bit about us. Um, So we both work in Tel Aviv. My husband works at Deloitte and I work at a startup. I'm the head of communications there, technically scientific communications. It's a blend um, between scientific writing and, and marketing. Hi. Um, OK, so I'm going to try to answer all of these questions in one. Um, but before Simplestora, what was our life like? So we had a pretty normal life. Um, we're living in Modin, and we both work in Tel Aviv. Um, the classic story of young people in Israel. Um, We have an amazing two-year-old and we were spending Sukkot and Pastora in South Africa visiting family. Um, So we were there when everything just happened. Um, And yeah, everything changed in a split second. Um, When we heard about the massacre that morning, uh, we knew pretty well that my husband was gonna get called back. Um, just knowing the nature of his army unit. And they were one of the first units to get called. And so we knew at that point our trip had ended Um, and I had a choice to make. Um, I could have stayed in South Africa, um, I guess in a bubble of protection as what it felt like then, Um, or come back and, you know, be in Israel, be in my home, be in my country, be with my people. Um, but I really, really felt just torn in that moment, um, just knowing what had happened in all of the different, um, kibbutzim and yeshubim down south. Um, it was extremely frightening and I felt like, you know, I had to make this choice between being there for my husband, um, in this crazy time and being there for, you know, our homeland and our people or, you know, protecting my son and keeping him out of danger, out of a war zone. And in the end, you know, obviously, I chose to come back to Israel with my husband. Um, But it really, really was an exceptional, overwhelming choice to make under the circumstances. And now in retrospect, you know, we see the world's response. We see what's happening and, you know, it's dangerous everywhere, even more dangerous, you know, in South Africa and America in all of these places where our friends and family are. Um, So either way, I would have had that, you know, protection component. Um, Anyway, but in that moment, you know, I really, really just felt torn um, between myself, my identity, my land, my people, my husband, my son. Um, And it was just completely overwhelming. Um, But I am really happy that we came back. Uh, That probably explains the hardest part, I guess, in the moment, Um, was just that overwhelmingness. Um, And since we've been back, uh, my husband has gone to Malim. Um, We got back from South Africa and he basically was with us for a few hours and then he left. Um, And thankfully he's actually home right now, Um, but we've only seen him twice since then, uh, including now. Um, So it has been extremely difficult um, just having him away and being in a completely non-normal situation. Um, and, you know, trying to make the best of it, trying to, you know, put on a happy face for my son. Um, even though, as a two-year-old, you know, he, he does feel it. I can see his stress. I can see he, like, doesn't want to, you know, socialize with his friends as much. Um, and I can see these changes in him without having his daddy home and, you know, with all the stresses going around. Um, so it has been really difficult, you know, to try to, you know, take him through this in a really positive way while I'm just, you know, completely heartbroken at the same time. Um, and you know, missing my husband as he's missing his daddy. Um, but, you know, we're just trying to do our part, trying to contribute. Um, I've been trying to fundraise for my husband's unit who's in desperate need. Um, of supplies of equipment, I've been trying to do my part there. Um, I've been trying to write, been trying to, you know, voice my my experience on social media, to you know bring this out to the world um, because it's just so important, um, and we're realizing more and more with all of the different tensions happening worldwide, how important it really is. Um, But, you know, I have family members, I have friends that are telling me like they're scared to go out. Um, I just had a conversation with my sister actually, who told me um, how scared she is based on something that happened in her class today. She's doing her master's at UPenn. And I told her, you know, like, you can always come to Israel, you can always be here. And she was saying like, that's when, you know, it's really, really bad when the place that's actually in war is safer um so it's just really crazy everything that's happening um and i guess that's kind of the message that i would want to send to people is you know recognize that like yes israel right now is in a really really difficult situation um and it's hitting home for everyone not only in israel but worldwide we're feeling it the jewish people are feeling it um, but recognizing that Israel really is, you know, the homeland, Israel is the safety net. Israel is a place where you know that the army, that the security is on your side. You know that you can trust people in every corner. You know that you can be safest here. Um, and I don't know that you have that same sense of security um, or, you know, I guess, peace of mind elsewhere, anywhere else um so you know through everything through all of the scary nights and believe me it's extremely scary being in a house alone um trying to just forget all my worries and protect my son and not be stressed for him um but it's extremely scary um recognizing that you know this is this is home this is where this is where it is this is where the people are this is where our nation is this is where the protection really is this is where hashem is um, and you know this is where the Jewish people should be, and this is how the Jewish people should unite from around the world to really show people that Israel is good, Israel is peace, Israel is advocating for all of those things, and I just hope that the rest of the world is able to see it.
0: Now is one of my close friends, Nechama Eisenman. I've been living at Nechama's house for uh, a few days, a few weeks. She, we kid around that I'm her war nanny. But the truth is that life was regular chaotic for Nahama before the war. And now it's not regular chaotic, but much more chaotic. As she takes care of her family, her three beautiful daughters, while her husband is a Miloim. Nahama somehow pulls it all together and lives an incredible life of chesed, of love, of care, of compassion of thinking about other people, even at her craziest times. There are no words for you, Nechama. Thank you for sharing your story. So before some Torah, our life was, you know, regularly
3: chaotic. We are the parents of three little girls, an 11-year-old, an 8-year-old, and a 5-year-old. So life has always been pretty drama-filled <laughs> in its own way. Um, you know, we were kind of just like looking forward to getting started with the year. It was like after the Chagim, like they say in Israel, you know, like all the holidays are over. It was a beautiful Sukkot. Took off a whole week of work, um, you know, during Chalamaid and we were kind of like all just looking forward to getting back to routine. And the way that the whole war affected my life, aside from the fact that I haven't seen my husband in this is going to be going on the fourth week that he's not home um all of the nitty-gritty in the household has fallen to me except of course when tamar comes and does everything for me you are incredible i cannot thank you enough Tamar. public shout out for being my war nanny um it's really just changed because there's a lot of listen i'm always an anxious person okay but like my anxiety is ramped up so high but i also have to be strong for my kids and they're feeling really insecure and their worries about the war and the whole situation and missing their ABBA are being manifested in challenging ways. You know, like one of my daughters, literally for the past four weeks, she's asked me to pick her up from school. Well, there wasn't school for the past four weeks, but you know, for the week that there has been school, she's called every single day with a stomach ache. She wants me to pick her up. And then the stomach ache magically goes away One of them insists on sleeping in my bed, and she will not let me leave until she's sleeping, and sometimes she'll still wake up even after I leave the bed. Um, It's really, it's a lot. It's really affected my life on an emotional way, on a physical chores type of way. And from a work perspective, it's been really, really difficult to concentrate. Thankfully, my company has been really understanding. Um, They're Israelis, so they're in it too. We're all in it together. The hardest part is the fear and the loneliness, like I'm just terrified and the unknown. I'm really scared for my husband, you know, I doubt that he and every single one of our soldiers and hostages will come back home safely and soon and alive. And it's also really hard to be lonely, um, like my husband's not just my husband, he's also my best friend and I, I'm really missing him, Like you know. Um. Yeah, also the unknown is really hard. I just want to know, like, if I had a time frame, like, just... It's going to be until this and this date, I think it would be easier. But the lack of um, stability, not knowing when this is going to end, is really difficult. One message that I want to send the world right now is that... (laughs) You know, I feel like there's so much anti-Semitism in the world, and it's horrendous. Nothing is going to... Clearly anti-Semites have never met a a Jew like we're incredible people and I'm sorry like if this is the way that you are referring to us you've clearly been brainwashed from such a young age like it's it's ridiculous you know what I mean like I just don't even want to engage Um, I do want to just say that our country and our nation are hurting like because of my situation and I guess just in general the nature of the magnitude of the situation I haven't even really been like watching the news or looking at stories. Like I'm normally like, you know, into that gruesome stuff. But it's just too close to home. It's too painful. We're in it. This is this is our family, you know. This is not a random stranger's car crash that you're passing on the side of the road. This is, this is real. This is Holocaust-esque, worse in some ways. And I just want to share with the world that we're hurting, but we're still alive. <laughs> Barely breathing, but we're still alive. And we will become stronger because of this. I'm seeing it already. The unity, the chesed, it's just beyond. Like, I really cannot even put into words how beautiful it is to see everyone banding together. And you really, really feel it this time. It's genuine and it's special. And I really, really think and hope that the gaula is on its way.
0: This next person, Talia Adler, is someone that I grew up with. She was the grade above me at Mayanur Yeshiva High School in Tinek, and now lives in Rehovot with my mom and my sister. Talia shares how she stays strong while her husband is serving in the army in Miloim. She has two young children and she just sees the light. She sees the love, the support from people who she does not even know. Talia Thank you for inspiring us. Thank you for showing us that light. What happened since
4: Simcha Torah? I feel like as if um, it's like the world has changed and it hasn't changed because at the moment I live in an area that's generally, air quotes, normal. And I think that if you are on the outside, meaning I think, living outside this country. um, Maybe more, there could be also places in this country that have less impact even than here. But, um, like, I'm working virtually. I've, Baruch Hashem, I know to keep my job. My husband, like, I mean, I don't know, unless something crazy happens, like, he still has his job to our knowledge. It's not like he's, like, he got a fruit platter from them last week saying, we're, you know, excited for you to come back. But, um, so, like, on a day-to-day, like, my family is still here. Everybody's alive and well. And, like, those things are all normal. But my life has changed because I'm, on, like, that Shabbat morning when after, like, my son had woken up, really, and I had, like, kind of, like, hoped he would go back to bed and, at like, 6 in the morning I was hoping I could fall back asleep. And then I heard um, the siren, and I actually remember that very clearly, being like, oh my God, is that a siren? Like, why? Whoa, this is so out of context. And like, I woke my husband and he literally ran as fast as I'd ever seen him go when he grabbed my daughter and we ran down to the shelter and then we were there for like two hours and people were there on their phones. And like, I think we understood very quickly because we were down there with other people who had access to the internet that this was more than just rocket fire. And um, I actually, wish Shabbat, but I got in, my husband and I got with our kids in a car and drove to my parents because they had them in the mud. And we just, like, from the things we were hearing, we were just, um, we were scared. And then, uh, so I'm not trying to, I guess, just tell this story of my experience, but the reason I'm mentioning this is, like, I guess things changed also because, like, that day my husband was called up, um, called up to reserve duty. And, like, I remember early in the morning, like, when we were in the Mikulat, the the buildings like shared me clot, which like it's a large space but is like a totally unfinished, really uncomfortable cement floor with like dirt everywhere and like I wasn't wearing shoes. It was like a nightmare. Um I um we were hearing things that people were saying and somebody said like oh, we're gonna be preparing to go to war. And that time I think, was like, no, no. Like, people just say things like, don't worry about that. That's like, people are just getting, you know, ahead of themselves. Like, we just had no idea. Um, and then, we like, came to my parents, and my my husband was already seeing chatter on his army, you know, group that maybe they'd be called in. And then, he literally left probably like an hour-ish or so, something like that, um, after we we got there. Um. He took the car and he left. And then the next day I came and picked it up. Like I went, I, well, also like an Israel kind of story. Like we knew we, I needed to get the car back, but my parents were a little bit nervous to drive. Because like, you know, it was so unclear at that point what was going on. And um, I ended up posting, we ended up posting on Facebook and a friend of ours connected us to somebody in a, um, in the town, I guess, next to the base of the was at the time. And uh, the a call was put out on their WhatsApp group saying that there was like a wife in Rehoboth looking to pick up a car and get some things to her husband because they were going to be sending them down south like imminently. And somebody literally came, like never met her in my life, picked me up. She like called me and I'm her name was um, not Shulamit. Okay, I'm forgetting. It's something like Shlomi, but because my mother's name is Shlomi, but it Shlomi, Shlomi, And like she picked me up. She took me to my apartment, waited while I got some stuff for my husband. I came back down. We drove down to the base. When we got to the base, it's like you can't turn. They told us you can't go up to the base. There's like a huge traffic jam. And then she's like, okay, if you're down, I'm down. I go. Basically, um, this is taking me too long. But uh, I, she like took me there. Um, was willing to like drive me up she's like however long it takes like I'm happy to take you she like took me there I ended up picking up the car um saw my husband we like whatever he gave me the keys we like said goodbye I drove the car back to my parents I've been staying there ever since so um things that have changed one my husband is now on reserve duty I saw him i didn't see him for three weeks but i saw him last friday night um he came back friday morning left shabbat day because those were the times that he was given it was 24 hours um from the time that he left the place that he stationed to the time he got back about so it's not like if i got to spend 24 hours with him but they were still lovely um but outside of that we don't see him i can talk to him every day he has his phone those are wonderful things not everyone has that Um, he's also only kind of, only, but he's stationed doing, like, guard duty. I feel like I'm not sure what people say, but if you can say where or not, but, yeah, he's, like, doing Shmira in, um, His unit, like, they all served together back in the day, and now they're all back together and, um, you know, doing Shmirot. Um, like, somewhere down south. Um, and so, like, instead of, like, being with him every day, we, like, talk to him on the phone a couple of times a day. Um, my kids usually speak to him once a day on, like, a video call. Um, so, thing number two is that I don't live in my apartment that I usually be living in. I basically live living with my parents, especially because in the first week or two, um, I just, like, we didn't have childcare, and I also work, so I, like, I still need a lot of help, but I needed even more help then. Um, So point three was that my kids didn't have childcare, and it's um, ironic because I saw this post about how there was, like, that Friday rage, and, okay, not taking away that that was terrifying, terrifying what's happening outside of Israel, by the way, um, situation. But, like, I saw someone post about how, like, I guess to, like, her non-Jewish followers and friends about how, like, you know, the jewish moms on that day would have to think about if they would send their child to school and i was like oh it's kind of ironic because um you know my friends and i had not sent our child to children to school for the past week and we didn't know if we'd be sending them back again for a long time um so for my child has now returned to my own and one of them will now return Rui will now go back to his place, they didn't have a mikalat, so he couldn't go back, but they found a solution that's part-time and eventually hopefully will become full-time. But my daughter is also going, but on more limited hours, Um, and now we get messages about how... um, They've been doing practices of like running with children to bomb shelters and they are able to keep it at under a minute which is really exciting but also not um, a message that I necessarily envision being a part of my day-to-day basis um, just a couple of weeks ago. Um, Outside of that it's really just like little things I feel like you know kind of not being as alarmed or sirens becoming a somewhat more regular thing even though it's not super regular here. Um, like, I guess that's on a practical level, the differences. I think the hardest part is, in many ways, not having just my normal life. Like, I don't have just my normal space and things where I just do things my way. Like, it's also someone else's space. Like, I have to be cognizant of that, but also it's it makes it easier, because my parents also take care of so much for me. Um, so I think being away from Natan, though, he's, like, not, you know, he's, like, my best friend, and we used to get to hang out all the time and now we don't. And um, it also means that like I, it's like silly, because like this is such a thing to, it's like a brough in many ways to have this, like to have your child. But like when my daughter has a meltdown, it's on like me. When my daughter, when either them need all these diaper changes, I'm the one who does that. Like everyone who wakes up in the middle of the night, there's not somebody else who can say, hey, I can take that for you. Like that's um, a lot. And I think it's just tiring. I think for me, and again, Saying that being exhausted is your biggest problem is a bracha because so many people lost family, lost family in disturbing ways. People were taken from them, all that. But um, for me, it just means that I'm trying to work and trying to be a mom, and you know, yeah, trying to do all these things. And I just feels like I'm often very tired, but then at the end of the day, I get a break. So I'm also very, again a lot of bracha in that. But I think the exhaustion is the hardest for me in some ways. And then also not having my husband and, you know, bestie around. And then, um, I think the news and, like, the stories of what happened I think are haunting and difficult to think about. It's difficult for me to think about our young Chaim being in Aza because of how disturbed, I think, the other side is. And then even more than that, I think for me what's, like, difficult is, um, the rest of the world's reaction like I'm not as like somebody who like thinks that people like I don't think I'm ignorant but I think that like I am still a little bit horrified by how blatant how much kind of like I really try to see both sides of things and I'm not one to kind of like whatever I don't want to get too political but like I'm I'm comfortable being critical of Israel I just the kinds of things people are saying about Israel and the Jews and like colonization and whatever and like videos of things happening in New York and in France and I just um I don't know. I I just didn't think that people would in our lifetimes, you know, less than 100 years since the Holocaust, be doing things like that again and I find that terrifying. Um, At the same time one message that i'd like the world to know i think is like you know i didn't say this so i'm just quoting someone else but it was like a tweet about how um that like we the jews we israelis have learned that um the world doesn't like or care about us as much as we thought but we found out that we like and care about each other or love each other more than we realized and i think that's really true and i think that for me my message would be that like um i don't know i just i make a lot of connection i've been thinking a lot about how like in israel at least yom kippur there's been all this stuff of like division of the nation and like you know people about the democratia thing and the supreme court and um there was all these issues on yom kippur people shouting at each other like this holy holy day when everyone should be focusing on like kind of loftier things and it became this day of like clashes between the people and then this horrific, disgusting thing happened. And it just feels like, and then the answer has been and and, like, we are this, like, united nation. And I've felt so empowered by us as a nation. And, like, um, we do need the help of others. Like, I'm not going to pretend, like, if the assistance we get from other countries and such or from non-Jews who are true allies or non-Israelis also, because there's Israeli Arabs, hasn't been, like, incredibly helpful, because it has. But um, at the same time, I'm just floored by this nation, these people. And so I think, like, to me, the message would just be to focus on that and this amazing nation that we have a school to be a part of and that these are terrifying and terrible times. But, like, there's generally part of me that hopes this will end. And I don't want to say our greatest hour because of everything that happened. It feels like it's impossible to say that, like, as if we're sacrificing those 1,400 for some... Something that says, oh, then it's worth it because of good. Like, I don't, I'm not saying that. But um, I am saying that this isn't going to be the end of us. And that, like, (sighs) I feel like we were a nation that was sleeping and is now awake. And, like, it's like a... I think there's some kind of beauty in our, in this awakening. In this reconnection in us learning to love each other again. And to, you know... Reconnect the family ties. So, I guess, like, um, you know, we're like amichad and levachad. And that's, I don't know. I don't really have a message, but my message is just like, that's, I think that's what we need to focus on is keeping that up and not letting that part of it wane and continue to support our and support each other. And um, yeah, yach and I don't know. That's, focus on that that's my that's my message on one hand and then I guess on a practical level is like um like I think that some people might look at my life experience right now and think that it's hard but compared to everything else that's happening I don't feel that it's like genuinely hard like I can't imagine some other experiences that other people have and that people are going through. And so I don't think that I'm like strong or amazing. I think that like other people are strong and amazing. And this is just like, I kind of have a, um, a schoot to be able to have like, like my husband is serving in the army and it means that I get to serve in a different way. And there's a schoot to that also. Um, so it doesn't need to be, like, look at someone like me and think, oh, my God, that's terrible, and, like, I feel so sorry for you. Like, I think everyone appreciates, like, the love and support and respect and, like, but, um I don't know. It's just, like, it's not all bad. Lastly is my sister,
0: my best friend, Adina Berger Kestenbaum. Her husband, my brother-in-law, Nitinel Kestenbaum, is serving in the Army and... This peshbat, I was with them. And my niece was in Shul. She's a year old. She went up to the Chayal that she saw. She looked at all of the Chayalim. And you could see in her face, why does that look like my daddy? That's not my daddy. And you could tell that she missed him. Even at one years old. And Netanel, I know, misses His children, Mrs. His wife, his best friend in the entire world. Adina and Nitinel, like know that their love is like none other. I've seen it firsthand that it's a love that people only dream of. And it's so hard to see my sister without her best friend, knowing that Nitinel is also feeling the same way. Hear how my sister speaks about coping with her family and the current s- situation. How she taps into the optimism. Has she picks up her family and keeps going, despite it all. Adina, you are my hero. You always have been. Thank you for doing what you do. Thank you
5: for being you. My name is Adina. And I'm married to Netanel. And we have two kids. Chagai, who's four and a half. And uh, Odelia, who just turned one. Um, we... We've been married, I think, just about... It'll will be eight years now. And uh, on October 7th, like the rest of the country, we woke up to sirens. And honestly, it... Um, You know, there's no context for them. I I didn't even know what it was at first, and my husband figured it out real quick and moved us into the mamad, the protective room in our house. And we spent that day in the house staying close to the mamad, you know, in and out, in and out. Um, And ultimately, my husband started checking his phone because it was clear that... um, This was clearly out of the ordinary and clearly something that hasn't happened before. Um, And he wasn't called up on the Saturday, but he was, in the end, he was called up on the Sunday, um, right, as part of that mass call-up where they called up uh, over 350,000 miluimnikim reserves. Um... And he's, uh, they stationed him on the, the Lebanon border, which is actually where he was in his regular army service, although he's to- doing something totally different now, um, in a different unit, um, um, totally different. Um, so he was up there a few days, um, and I think... Once he got there, there was a lot of sitting around and he felt very useless and powerless and knowing that I was here with the kids you know nobody knew what was happening um, he asked to come back home <laughs> so he actually he was there for I think two nights again which at that time I was in total single parent mode with no end in sight and then he come you know he came home after two nights um, and was home for Through that Shabbat For a little less than a week um, And then went back up And then when he went back up the second time um, You know they had They had made time to get organized There was finally a schedule There was finally You know A rotation of who's going out When with the different hummers Or whatever it is Um, So I, I Know uh, I feel very, very lucky that um, those first two nights, um, I felt like, you know, you're just in go mode, and it it proved to myself that I could do it, um, you know, single parent with no childcare, um, I was working in the evenings because uh, at that point I had... Um, my work is project-based, and I had a project deadline on October 10th. <laughs> How convenient, right? Um, October 10th, so oct- October 7th was the attack, so I had to wrap up my s- submission for work. Um, and after that, I I, uh, I had a, a very <laughs> frantic conversation with HR that I absolutely needed a break, and uh, I, d- I definitely could not juggle um, single parenting, no school, and working so uh so uh yeah you know now we're i think coming into a routine i don't know how long it's gonna last um but it sounds like you know this past time that my husband was in he was there for 10 days and he said that that in what in where he is and what he's doing is on the long side of things it sounds like he'll be out every seven days um, and this is going to be our reality for however long this war takes. Uh, I'm grateful that he he is where he is and doing the job he's doing. There were definitely times where he felt more mm, productive and more useful. And I think that was helpful for him, for motivating for him. Um, but... Uh, but I think I think he also understands that like you know his job could become very very useful very quick you know, so uh, so right now he's kind of biding his time and doing his his uh you know his shifts with his guys he's he's meeting the guys, you know he says they're playing volleyball they're playing chess right he's not in he's not invading Gaza he's not you know in one of these ground infantry units which again I'm very grateful. I mean, hopefully the north border won't heat up too much. (laughs) Um, um, But also I'm grateful that he is staying in a kibbutz right now. Um, And it sounds like there's some sort of aeronormacy there also. It sounds like there are families walking around. Um, You know, um, I thought he was sleeping in a bed, but he corrected me. It's more like a little mattress and there's all, artillery all the time so apparently he's not getting amazing sleep um but you know he talks about his friends who are sleeping out in the out in the field out in the shetach, uh and at least that's uh that's not his conditions so of course it's difficult to be apart um i personally am a very practical person a very optimistic person and so I'm all, you know, and I, I know that, I know that um, things could be a lot, a lot harder. I'm very lucky I have family support, Tamar, <laughs> I have Tamar's, uh always offering to help but also I live right next to my mother here. I have a very supportive community here. I I know that um, I'm still in a position to, to help others and thankfully not in a position to, to need others' help right now. So. Um, Yeah, uh, even just the fact that we have a predictable schedule of when he's going to get out, what predictability is is a huge advantage, I mean, for me, and I think for anybody, but a lot of people don't have that. Um, I think Shabbat without him was hard, and this Shabbat he'll also be away. Um, Shabbat is hard, but I, you know, when it was over... I looked around and said, like, I can do this, and I have the support to do this, and, you know, I learned something new of myself. I think being a a stay-at-home parent with no school um, also gave me a chance to be with my kids one-on-one, and I think our relationship has greatly improved. I mean, I really have... There's there's a lot of comparisons between this time and Corona uh, with the school shutdowns, kids being home and I am um, like determined not to let it get that far like I, from my perspective if work becomes more of an issue I, I will step aside I can't, I don't see myself um, right, because my priority right now is definitely my family um, and uh, and I guess uh availing my husband to to protect the greater family of Amisrael, right? Uh, but uh you know I guess we'll do this as long as we have to 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 keep ourselves safe from uh, terror and keep ourselves safe where we live, you know. Pe- we're not safe otherwise, like um it's a scary world we live in. Um it's funny because I actually felt really bad that we didn't get a a nice Sukkot vacation together. Um, it's uh, that's fell out just during my busiest time at work, and so we signed Chagai up for um for one of these ketanas, these daycares, uh, like a little summer camp, um, like babysitting for Sukkot, and we really missed out on all the fun family time that people usually get during Sukkot, uh, the outings and things like that. So um, it's funny to say, but I feel like we're getting it now, you know, um, and to see it through his eyes, like he, he asks me questions. He's, he's four and a half. He's pretty bright. You know, he's asking me like, why, why do we have to run when the sirens go? What, like, what does that mean? Or. You know, and I told him like it means that there's metal falling from the sky, and it could, you know, it could hit something, and somebody could get hurt. So we have to run somewhere safe so we don't get hit by the falling metal from the sky. The falling metal, the falling glass, and then I had to explain to him the iron dome. That like, what you know, why why are there chayalim? What are the chayalim doing? Like, why does Daddy have a gun? Right, and I, he kind of pieced it together that Daddy has to you know, the, the iron, you know, I explained the iron dome they have to shoot the, shoot the metal out of the sky, right. To protect us. So, you know, um, I do know that like we met up with some of these families and some of these kids with, you know, that maybe the kid that's Chagai's age has a few older siblings and things have trickled down. I mean, I'm very lucky that I don't have a kid who's afraid of the sirens, you know, or is having these terrible, um, like like on some sort of um, trauma response, some sort of like uh, fright. You know, my kids are sleeping soundly in their rooms. I uh, originally I had everyone sleeping in the mamad, in the safe room, and um, we moved into this house originally after the last operation because you know we we didn't we were living in an apartment without a safe room. And we would have to go into the stairwell, and it was, you know, 2 a.m. with all the other families in the building. And uh, eventually we, uh, it, w- it was after my, my my parents had made Aliyah, eventually we moved in with my parents for, like, a week and a half, I think. Um, and that, that was it for us. Like, after, after that experience, we said we weren't living in an apartment without a safe room, when we moved here. And, like, I'm very, very grateful. Like, we pay, I think, a lot more in rent but um, um, you know, I, I've been putting them to sleep in their rooms, and it's very doable for me to to carry the baby and to shout to Chagai, wake up, we gotta go to the safe room. Um, so I've done that a couple times already. I would say, in where we live, well, we're not getting a siren every single day. Um, maybe two in one day, maybe sometimes, you know. Um, sometimes I I feel like I'm staying up at night waiting for the siren so I can go to sleep and be, uh, (laughs) sleep soundly knowing it passed already, although I know it doesn't work that way. Um, but yes, it's definitely a point of privilege where I can, I can do it myself. I don't have to interact with my neighbors in the middle of the night and, uh, um, you know, that my kid is old enough to run, you know, that I'm not... I'm not fielding multiple little kids by myself, which I know people are doing um, um we have a a safe space um so I think uh we're very lucky we are very lucky um a- another very cute uh anecdote um is that we were? I was talking with Chagai, uh, uh, and I was telling him about Daddy as a chayal. Daddy as a soldier. He was trying to piece it together. You know, he has a gun. Why does he need a gun? And we were trying to explain, like, you know, he's not shooting. Pe- you know, he's not shooting people. He's not like fighting the Rashaim one on one or whatever. Uh, we were trying to explain, like, it's more of a. You know, he's he's in a system, and there's a bunch of people working together. To, to protect the land and things like that so I said he's on Gvul Levanon. and he goes I know Gvul Levanon I said how do you know Gvul Levanon? he goes well it's from Avinu Shabbat you know and I thought that was amazing he was able to connect the dots from the Tefillah L'shlom that he learned in school and figure out that when I said Gvul Levanon. it's one of the Gvulot of Eretz Israel. and I said yeah and your your friends Abba is protecting Gvul Mitzrayim um, and I think it's very cool, you know, and what <laughs> cool is the word, but, um, you know, it, it's very real, you know, the tefillot that he learned in school are very real to him. They're, um, it, you know, he's living them. His daddy pro- is protecting, just like, just like in what he's saying in school, um, and. Um, it's hard to be living through it. It's hard to to not know how long this is going to go on, but uh, you know, ultimately, we were part of history and not sitting on the sidelines and uh.
0: It's very interesting to wrap up this episode with Adina and I just want to share a quick story that happened to me over Shabbat. When I was with my sister, I was reading a book about the Incredibles and it was a book that showed how Mr. Incredible took care of the kids at home while his wife went to be a superhero. At the end of the book, there's some questions I asked my nephew. I said, Chagai, who has it harder? The one that's the superhero or the one that's taking care of the kids? Now, I don't know if my sister put it in him, but uh, my nephew goes, the one that's taking care of the kids. These Eshet Chayals that you just have heard from may not be the ones out in the field. But there is no words for the work that they are doing at home, scared about their husbands, having to take care of their children as a solo parent, temporarily. There are truly no words. Thank you to each and every one of you for sharing your perspective on this horrible, crazy, unprecedented time. Thank you for everything that you do.